We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. What's up and welcome to a history edition of the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Today, a brief history Lou Gehrig's Luckiest Man Speech. We are brought to you today by our friends betonline.ag. There is no shortage of action going on at our partners betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back and BetOnline is leading the way with all the best odds and lines for UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. If you need even more, they have NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. If you're looking for something other than sports, BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets you can check out. Visit them, betonline.ag, and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline your online wagering experts. I said I wasn't going to do a history episode this week, but I changed my mind because I'm reading a book about Lou Gehrig. And when I saw that his famous speech happened on July 4th, I thought with tomorrow being the 4th, as you're listening to this Saturday being the 4th, how could I not do a history episode about it? This isn't going to be as long of an episode as I've done for others. And it's not going to be about Lou Gehrig's entire life his career, or even a specific season. It's going to be about one of the most significant days in Yankees and baseball history. On July 4th, 1939, 
a sellout crowd watched the Yankees play two baseball games against the Washington Senators. Yes, it was a holiday and the games probably would have been packed anyway, but the 61,808 people who went to Yankee Stadium that day went because it was Lou Gehrig Appreciation Day. Two weeks prior, Gehrig was forced into retirement. Two months prior, Gehrig played his last game. He was only 35 years old. After his sudden retirement and news of his illness was known, reporters started to suggest that the team and the league should do something to honor the Iron Horse. A ceremony at the All-Star Game was considered, but ultimately the team chose intermission of the July 4th doubleheader. Gehrig was honored on the infield diamond for over 40 minutes. It was the first ceremony of its kind in baseball. His number four was retired, also the first time a uniform number had been retired. Technically, Gehrig's number wasn't officially retired by the Yankees until January 6th, 1940, when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, but you may also see this date, July 4th, 1939, as the date his number was retired. New York City Mayor Fiorello LaGuardia and Postmaster General James A. Farley attended. Wally Pipp, who Garrick replaced in the lineup, was there. Teammates from the 1927 Murderers Row Yankees were also there. Joe McCarthy and Babe Ruth were among the few who gave a speech. Lou stood there in full uniform listening to the speeches, with his hat in his hand. They talked about his consecutive game streak and how he was such a clutch player, a great leader, and teammate. Lou would bow his head and shook hands in appreciation. From looking at the pictures and watching the video footage, you can tell that he was uncomfortable with the whole thing. Garrick was apprehensive about attending the ceremony in the first place. He was a shy and reserved guy. As described in the biography, Luckiest Man, Garrick looked as if he couldn't wait to get it over with. He removed a big white handkerchief from his back pocket and wiped his tears. He shifted his weight from left to right and stared at the ground. Lou didn't want his peers and the fans to see him in his weakened state. People who knew him say he aged years in just the two weeks since they last saw him traveling with the team. He lost weight and his motor functions had started to diminish already. He received tons of gifts, a silver service set from the Yankees front office, a fruit bowl and candlesticks from the New York Giants, silver pitchers and platters, a fishing rod and tackle, rings, a tobacco stand, and a scroll. But his most cherished gift, the only one he carried with him off the field, was given to him by his teammates. It was a silver trophy engraved with all the names of the current Yankees and a poem written by sports columnist Joe Kieran. Kieran later said it was Bill Dickey who orchestrated the gift and asked him to write the poem, and Kieran was the perfect media member to write this because he and Lou were neighbors and friends. Lou was grateful, but he didn't want to make a speech. When the MC told the crowd that Garrick appreciated their support but asked not to speak, they started to chant, We want Lou! We want Lou! They weren't going to let him get out of there without addressing the crowd. Then manager Joe McCarthy said something to Garrick that changed his mind. He ushered him to the microphone where Lou paused for a minute, thinking about what he wanted to say. He took a deep breath and then gave baseball's Gettysburg address. In total, the speech was about 275 words. Only a couple sentences have been preserved on audio and video, so you might not be familiar with the whole thing. I'm going to play those and read the rest. I will try to do his words justice. You probably know how it starts. For the past two weeks, you've been reading about a bad brag. Garrick meant to say break, but the word came out brag because he was choked up. He stopped to collect himself and then continued. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. 
I have been in ballparks for 17 years and have never received anything but kindness and encouragement from you fans. When you look around, wouldn't you consider it privilege to associate yourself with such a fine-looking man as is standing in uniform in this ballpark today? Sure, I'm lucky. Who wouldn't consider it an honor to have known Jacob Rupert? Also, the builder of baseball's greatest empire, Ed Barrow, to have spent six years with that wonderful little fellow, Miller Huggins. Then to have spent the next nine years with that outstanding leader, that smart student of psychology, the best manager in baseball today, Joe McCarthy. Sure, I'm lucky. When the New York Giants, a team you would give your right arm to beat, and vice versa, sends you a gift, that's something. When everybody down to the groundskeepers and those boys in white coats remember you with trophies, that's something. When you have a wonderful mother-in-law who takes sides with you and squabbles with her own daughter, that's something. When you have a father and a mother who work all their lives so you can have an education and build your body, it's a blessing. When you have a wife who has been a tower of strength and shown more courage than you dreamed existed, that's the finest I know. So I close in saying... That I might have been given a bad break... But I've got an awful lot to live for. Thank you. There wasn't a dry eye in the house, including Gehrig's. The New York Times the next day wrote, The vast gathering, sitting in absolute silence for a longer period than perhaps any baseball crowd in history, heard Gehrig himself deliver as amazing a valedictory as ever came from a ball player. It was an amazing speech, and not just because of the circumstances. It was a speech about appreciating life, about being grateful for what you have, Garrig wasn't asking for sympathy or for prayers. He simply stated what his family, the fans, baseball, and what the day meant to him. Garrig's life was baseball. As a young kid, he played in the Sandlot and in the streets of Manhattan. He played as a college athlete at Columbia University. As a pro, he played in Yankee Stadium, baseball's cathedral. He made his major league debut at the age of 19. He won his first MVP award at the age of 24. By age 30, he had amassed over 300 home runs. By the time he was 35, he won six World Series. His departure from baseball and from the world happened so quickly. On April 30th, 1939, Gehrig went hitless against the Senators in the 2130th consecutive game he played. Before their next game on May 2nd, Gehrig benched himself. He told McCarthy it was for the good of the team. Gehrig had been hitting just 143 that season as the illness began to break down his body. At the ceremony when McCarthy spoke, he said, Lou, what can I say except that it was a sad day in the life of everybody who knew you when you came to my hotel room that day in Detroit and told me you were quitting as a ball player because you felt yourself a hindrance to the team. My God, man, you were never that. Lou remained with the team as captain but never again appeared in a game after April 30th. In early June, while on a road trip in Chicago, he visited the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. After extensive tests, he was diagnosed with ALS on June 19th, 1939, his 36th birthday. After his public goodbye on July 4th, the Hall of Fame inducted Gehrig by special election to commemorate the year in which he achieved his record. They're talking about his consecutive games record, of course. The writers felt he needed to be enshrined while he was still alive. Gehrig passed away less than two years after his famous speech. The Yankees honored their captain with a monument in center field that year in 1941. Thanks for listening.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.